Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wasteland. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life, hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, the Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thanks to Kevin Bell for getting us into the program and uh, Jackie Pena for operating the board and keeping us on the air, everything going well, all those little technical hoopahs that can take place in a radio program. Thanking you, most of all, for being along with us tonight for the Bible Live broadcast. For all of you bibliophiles, usually it means friends of books, but I'm saying it in the sense of a friend or a lover of the book, the Bible itself, this book of books, the Word of God. Now, if you are interested in spiritual things, you have a desire to know about ultimate reality, about what is really going on in this world and what is life really all about. And you desire to know God. You desire to know the Creator. Well, we have basically two choices. You can make up your own God or adopting the God that someone else has made up. Or you can learn about the God who is truly there, the true and living God, the God who is not made up by someone but who himself has stepped into time and space and in a demonstrably clear and reliable way has revealed himself to us. That's what the Bible is all about. God himself has stepped into history, and he has revealed something of himself. He has spoken. He has acted. And you were created to know him. He has placed eternity in your heart. He has created you to have a relationship with him. He created you for himself. That's what the Bible tells us. I hope you'll stay with us through this hour in the Bible. Reading from the book of Jeremiah, we're picking up tonight in chapter 18, with the adventures of this prophet of God, the one called the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. Right now, though, let's go to Psalm 115 for our wisdom and worship segment. God is alive, and he's thinking about you. Psalm 115, 1 through 10. Not to us, O Lord, but to you goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Why let the nations say, where is their God? 
For our God is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold, shaped by human hands. They cannot talk, though they have mouths, or see, though they have eyes. They cannot hear with their ears, or smell with their noses, or feel with their hands, or walk with their feet, or utter sounds with their throats. And those who make them are just like them, as are all who trust in them. O Israel, trust the Lord! He is your helper, He is your shield. O priests of Aaron, trust the Lord! He is your helper, He is your shield. End of reading, Psalm 115, 1 through 10. Blessed is the man who walks in your favor, who loves all your words and hides them like treasure. In the darkest place of his desperate heart, You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. This is The Bible Live. Uh, interesting psalm, isn't it? We'll be reading the second section tomorrow night at Psalm 115. God is alive. He's thinking about us, and we should not hesitate to put him first in our life. If you will put God first in your life above anything else, that will bring blessing to everything else. In other words, sometimes we think, I can't put God before my country. I've got to put my country first. Well, putting God first will make you a better American, a better citizen. Putting God before your wife will make you a better husband, or putting him before your husband will make you a better wife. Putting God first is not a threat to any other relationship in our human experience. It will only enhance and make that relationship better and better. Tonight you saw that the prophets just did not have a lot of respect for these idols, these false gods, did they? They don't have mouths, they don't have eyes and ears and noses. And he says, and those who make the idols are just like them, as are all who trust in them. It's a little sense of humor from the prophet Jeremiah. One of the characteristics of Jeremiah's book is that he uses object lessons. He uses word pictures like a branch from an almond tree or a pot of boiling water spilling down from the north, he says. Or in our last reading, a rotten linen loincloth, a dirty pair of underwear, in other words. Well, tonight he's going to use, he's going to use a potter's clay and also shattered clay jars. And so we'll see a couple of object lessons. And Jeremiah will deal with one of the people who tried to have him killed. His name is Pashur. We'll read about that relationship as well. All on the Bible Life. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 2018. Jeremiah 18. The Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, Go down to the shop where clay pots and jars are made. I will speak to you while you are there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped. So the potter squashed the jar into a clump of clay and started again. Then the Lord gave me this message. O Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to his clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. If I announce that a certain nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, but then that nation renounces its evil ways, I will not destroy it as I had planned. And if I announce that I will build up and plant a certain nation or kingdom, making it strong and great, but then that nation turns to evil and refuses to obey me, I will not bless that nation as I had said I would. Therefore, Jeremiah, go and warn all Judah and Jerusalem. 
Say to them, this is what the Lord says. I am planning disaster against you instead of good. So turn from your evil ways, each of you, and do what is right. But they replied, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want to, following our own evil desires. Then the Lord said, has anyone ever heard of such a thing even among the pagan nations? My virgin Israel has done something too terrible to understand. Does the snow ever melt high up in the mountains of Lebanon? Do the cold flowing streams from the crags of Mount Hermon ever run dry? These can be counted on, but not my people. For they have deserted me and turned to worthless idols. They have stumbled off the ancient highways of good, and they walk the muddy paths of sin. Therefore their land will become desolate, a monument to their stupidity. All who pass by will be astonished and shake their heads in amazement at its utter desolation. I will scatter my people before their enemies as the east wind scatters dust. And in all their trouble I will turn my back on them and refuse to notice their distress. Then the people said, Come on, let's find a way to stop Jeremiah. We have our own priests and wise men and prophets. We don't need him to teach the law and give us advice and prophecies. Let's spread rumors about him and ignore what he says. Lord, help me. Listen to what they are planning to do to me. Should they repay evil for good? They have set a trap to kill me, though I pleaded for them and tried to protect them from your anger. So let their children starve. Let the sword pour out their blood. Let their wives become widows without any children. Let their old men die in a plague, and let their young men be killed in battle. Let screaming be heard from their homes as warriors come suddenly upon them. For they have dug a pit for me, and they have hidden traps along my path. Lord, you know all about their murderous plots against me. Don't forgive their crimes and blot out their sins. Let them die before you. Deal with them in your anger. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jeremiah 19. The Lord said to me, Go and buy a clay jar. Then ask some of the leaders of the people and of the priests to follow you. Go out into the valley of the son of Hinnom by the entrance to the Potsherd Gate, and repeat to them the words that I give you. Say to them, Listen to this message from the Lord, you kings of Judah and citizens of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will bring such a terrible disaster on this place that the ears of those who hear about it will ring. For Israel has forsaken me and turned this valley into a place of wickedness. The people burn incense to foreign gods, idols never before worshipped by this generation, by their ancestors or by the kings of Judah. And they have filled this place with the blood of innocent children. They have built pagan shrines to Baal, and there they burn their sons as sacrifices to Baal. I have never commanded such a horrible deed. It never even crossed my mind to command such a thing. So beware, for the time is coming, says the Lord, when this place will no longer be called Topheth, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For I will upset the battle plans of Judah and Jerusalem, and let invading armies slaughter them. The enemy will leave the dead bodies as food for the vultures and wild animals. I will wipe Jerusalem from the face of the earth, making it a monument to their stupidity. All who pass by will be appalled and will gasp at the destruction they see there. I will see to it that your enemies lay siege to the city until all the food is gone. Then those trapped inside will have to eat their own sons and daughters and friends. They will be driven to utter despair. As these men watch Jeremiah, smash the jar you brought with you. Then say to them, this is what the Lord Almighty says. 
As this jar lies shattered, so I will shatter the people of Judah and Jerusalem beyond all hope of repair. They will bury the bodies in Topheth until there is no more room. This is what I will do to this place and its people, says the Lord. I will cause this city to become defiled like Topheth. Yes, all the houses in Jerusalem, including the palace of Judah's kings, will become like Topheth. All the houses where you burned incense on the rooftops to your star gods, and where drink offerings were poured out to your idols. Then Jeremiah returned from Topheth, where he had delivered this message, and he stopped in front of the temple of the Lord. He said to the people there, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, I will bring disaster upon this city and its surrounding towns, just as I promised, because you have stubbornly refused to listen to me. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Jeremiah 20. Now Pashur, son of Emer, the priest in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard what Jeremiah was saying. So he arrested Jeremiah the prophet and had him whipped and put in stocks at the Benjamin gate of the Lord's temple. The next day, when Pashur finally released him, Jeremiah said, Pashur, the Lord has changed your name. From now on, you are to be called the man who lives in terror. For this is what the Lord says, I will send terror upon you and all your friends, and you will watch as they are slaughtered by the swords of the enemy. I will hand the people of Judah over to the king of Babylon. He will take them captive to Babylon or run them through with the sword. And I will let your enemies plunder Jerusalem. All the famed treasures of the city, the precious jewels and gold and silver of your kings, will be carried off to Babylon. As for you, Pasher, you and all your household will go as captives to Babylon. There you will die and be buried, you and all your friends to whom you promised that everything would be all right. O Lord, you persuaded me, and I allowed myself to be persuaded. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked by everyone in the city. Whenever I speak, the words come out in a violent outburst. Violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. And I can't stop. If I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in His name, His word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. And they say if you say anything, we will report it. Even my old friends are watching me waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him they will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will be shamed and thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord Almighty, you know those who are righteous, and you examine the deepest thoughts of hearts and minds. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. Now I will sing out my thanks to the Lord. Praise the Lord, for though I was poor and needy, he delivered me from my oppressors. Yet I curse the day I was born. May the day of my birth not be blessed. I curse the messenger who told my father, Good news, you have a son. Let him be destroyed like the cities of old that the Lord overthrew without mercy. Terrify him all day long with battle shouts, for he did not kill me at birth. Oh, that I had died in my mother's womb, that her body had been my grave. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. 
End of reading Jeremiah 18.1 through 20.18. Sing your praise to the Lord. Come on, everybody, stand up and sing one more. Hallelujah, sing your praise to the Lord. I could never tell you just how much good that it's going to do you. Uh, it's true, no made-up God, no idol will ever satisfy your deep longings, those deep aspirations that you have. Only the true and living God made know through His Son, the Messiah. We can hear from the true and living God Himself, not God in a box, someone we made up and we've got all figured out. I think of the books by C.S. Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia, the figure of Jesus, the Messiah, God the Son in that book is the figure of a lion named Aslan or Aslan. Often the children would have wonderful times with this lion, and yet they were constantly being reminded that he's not a tame lion. He's not some lion that we can make jump through our hoops and get him to do what we want to do when we want him to do it. His ways are indeed far beyond ours, and it will never totally and absolutely exhaustively comprehend God. But at the same time, he has revealed some things to us, and there are many things that we can know. He wants us to know, and he has revealed them to us in his word. As you listen to this passage from Jeremiah, what do you hear that helps you know God better? This potter and the lump of clay. The potter could do anything he wanted with it. Jeremiah was saying God could destroy his sinful people if he so desired. He could discipline them, and he could try to get their attention to bring them back to himself. This, of course, is a warning to the people of Judah and, of course, to us in America today to repent, to turn away from our sin and our wickedness and turn back to God. We've often talked about the fact that as you read through the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah, it's an inescapable conclusion that God is indeed already now disciplining and judging this great nation, America, today, calling his people, particularly calling God's people, to repent and turn to him. There are so many things going on, the movements of prayer, calling on people to pray in small groups and homes. There's a ministry involved in getting every street in San Antonio to be prayed over, the Nehemiah Project. Just gotten word today of a layman who has a sense that God wants to use him as an instrument to try to call together two million people who would fast and pray for 40 days for America. I've often wondered, how many does it take? We don't know that for sure exactly. God does hear and respond. That's what we see tonight in our reading, that God hears us. There are a couple of places in here that are very interesting to me. Jeremiah says, I try not to talk about you. Can you imagine here he is preaching against the political powers, the economic powers, the religious authorities of the nation, confronting them with their hypocrisy and their wickedness, and he gets lonely, standing against the powers and going against the tide. No one likes to do that. It's uncomfortable. And so he says, I'll never mention the Lord's name again. And it made me think of that opening chapter when God said, you will speak. I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And he says, those words are like fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I must share what God has put in my heart. Jeremiah confronts this man named Pashur, an official in charge of the maintaining order in the temple. He attacks Jeremiah and accuses him of being a false prophet. Instead of taking his message to heart and acting on it, he had Jeremiah whipped and put in the stock. And so uh, Jeremiah tells him about God's judgment upon him. And then right from there, it goes into this time of depression, honestly telling God about his fears and about how lonely he feels in the, in the area of leadership. Very interesting passage for getting into the life and into the heart of one of these men, one of these prophets of the living God. 
I've always been curious about what it must have been like. These men, it seems like they heard from God in such a remarkable, unusual way. Do you visualize them being maybe a little bit more normal in that they, in a remarkable way, knew the heart of God so well that they sensed these things? Or was there really an extra burden of revelation placed upon them that maybe we don't understand today? Jeremiah, uh, particularly in the latter part of his ministry, is preaching to not only the people in Judah and Jerusalem. The exiles were taken out in 605 B.C., and the city was not destroyed till 586. Some of Jeremiah's messages were to them, messages of comfort, their messages of encouragement that God is going to restore you to the land. And on the other hand, some of his messages are to the unrepentant, hard-hearted, But there's always that, too, in God's judgment on Israel. Even Isaiah had it to some extent. The preaching of judgment and God's holiness and his righteousness and and the warnings. And then at the same time, even Isaiah, after chapter 40, he goes in, comfort ye, comfort ye. Today, God could say to America, I'm going to judge you. I'm sending fires and droughts and I'm calling you back to myself. Who knows if we don't repent and turn, the nation could be taken down. But there would always be a message of hope and encouragement because our hope ultimately is in him and his forever kingdoms. This passage of judgment about the potter and the clay in chapter 18 uses this imagery of the potter's clay and that he can tear down, he can destroy Israel if he wants, and he can restore it as well. Both messages are very relevant and both messages are compatible and true, actually, in, in the economy of God. That's the point we were making earlier today is that he's a wonderful, true, and living God, and we can know him intimately. He's a great lion of the tribe of Judah, but he's not a tame lion. We can't exactly know everything, but he judges on the basis of his people, God's people in the country and the land. We are indeed Israel, spiritual Israel. Do we fit? Will our nation continue to fit into God's redemptive priority, his redemptive plan for the world? Lord, we do lift up so many out of San Antonio and South Texas who serve your kingdom around the world tonight. We pray for them, Lord. Give them strength, protect them, provide for them, and use them for your honor and glory in the extension of the kingdom of your dear Son, whom we love. And Lord, allow us to continue to support them, uh, to send resources and to pray for them. And Lord, we pray that our nation would be again characterized as a sending nation to all the nations and peoples of the world, sharing the good news of freedom in the Messiah. If we continue to, if we would go back to being identified with the true and living God, acknowledging him proudly and unashamedly, and continue to be a part of God's plan to reaching the world, then I do believe that would be the key to our being blessed and restored. Those of us who call the name of Jesus, it's an interesting time for us to be alive. This is our moment to be faithful, isn't it? Actually, very powerful message that Jeremiah preached. Courageously, he went actually to the valley of Hinnon itself. He went out and confronted directly the priests and false prophets who were promoting false religion in Judah and in Jerusalem. He went out and confronted them face to face, courageously declaring them to be false, condemning their sin, their rejection of the true and living God. And, of course, uh, I was talking with someone the other day who wasn't aware of the fact that uh, Judah at this time actually even entered into child sacrifice, human sacrifices to Baal and Moloch and these false gods. An amazing person, this prophet of God. And yet some people responded and some didn't. How about you? The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall House Publishers. 
The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.